Last week, we learned that this book of Jonah is so much more than just a book about a guy who didn't want to do what God wanted him to do and a big fish. This story has so much more in it than just a guy and a fish. We, we learned about Jonah, whose name means dove, and his father, whose name means peace or faithful one. And we began to notice that this person of God, this one who claims to be a follower of God, this anointed prophet of God, is actually going the opposite direction of where God wants him to go. And we began to take note of our own selves. Are we going in the direction what God wants us to go, or are we going in the opposite direction? And we continue the story today. I hope you'll climb in with me. <clears throat> Remember that this is a sea story. And any time in Scripture uh, that I've noticed, when we come across a story that's surrounded by the sea, God's about to do something amazing. God's about to do something. Remember Peter walked on the water? It's out on the Sea of Galilee. Remember when the disciples and Jesus were out in the boat together and the storm was coming and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat? We'll refer back to that in a minute. And, and the disciples came to him, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus stood up and said, oh, you have little faith. And then he spoke to the wind and the waves and said what? Shh. And the wind and the waves obeyed. And I want to remind somebody today that the wind and the waves still know his name today. And if you're in a storm today, I just want to remind you that you are a candidate for God to do something big in your life. Just be prepared for what God might want to say to you through this great story, this great piece of ancient Hebrew literature that we're looking at for the next few weeks. But last week we learned that Jonah was called by God, you can see it in verse 1, that God called him to go to the great city of Nineveh, the hot seat of the most... Uh, cruel people the ancient world had ever known. They were cruel people, and God had called Jonah to go to them. And Jonah decided that the world would be a better place without them. So he didn't want to go to that great city, so he decided to go to the farthest reaches of the ends of the earth. And he was running from the presence of the Lord. Today we're going to pick up in verse 4. And today I just want to read through this chapter and stop every once in a while and make some observations, maybe some points of application for my life and for your life. This story is not written to, to other people, it's written to me and it's written to you. So take it personal. Allow God the opportunity to speak to you personally today. Don't sit and listen uh, to, to, to today's message or reading in the word of God oh man so and so should be here and they should hear this this would be a good word for them no this is for me and it's for you so today we pick up in verse 4 but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read the first three verses to build our context starting in chapter 1 verse 1 now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying arise go to the great city of Nineveh and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. 
So he paid his fare and went down to Joppa, I'm sorry, and went, went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. This word hurled, it's the same Hebrew word. You remember the story when Saul was becoming jealous of the young David? And there was a scene where Saul hurled, same Hebrew word, hurled a spear at David trying to pin him to the wall with his spear. Same word. It's a violent act. And Scripture says that God hurled a mighty storm, a great storm. I want you to also make note of how many times the word mighty or great are mentioned in these verses that we're going to be reading. It's an exaggeration, trying to make a point that that this is something out of the ordinary. This is something that God was specifically doing. He hurled this storm. These sailors that are in the boat with Jonah, you can only imagine that they've been sailors for a long time and have experienced storm after storm after storm. But there was something different about this storm. It's a sea story. So get ready because God's about to do something. But there's something you and I should make note of. It's on your outline. If Jonah refuses to go to a great city then he can go into a great storm. He refused to go to the great city. And he ended up in a great storm. I want us to notice here, by looking at a literary device in these verses, uh, the trajectory of Jonah's life. The way he was headed. Jonah was a prophet of Almighty God. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go this direction. Jonah said, I ain't doing it. Can't stand those people. I hate them. And so it says, look at it with me in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went, check this out, he went down to Joppa. Look down at verse 5. The end of that verse. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship. And had laid down, can you hear it? Can you hear what the author's doing? Down, down. Jonah had come to a point in his life where obeying God had had become so, he he didn't agree with it. He was angry. He was bitter. I don't want to go to those people. I hate those people. And his disobedience to God's direction in his life had created a hardness of heart in his life. To the point that he had become so numb that he could go down in the bottom of a ship and go to sleep. The trajectory of his life was headed downward. Have you ever been there? Have things happened in your life that that you just become bitter, you become angry, maybe even with God? Sin starts sneaking into your life and it becomes easier to do that sin over and over and and you just become numb to it and the trajectory of our life to the point that I don't care what happens to everyone else around me. There was a 19th century uh, 
preacher named Hugh Martin. He said this, Jonah was sleeping the sleep of sorrow. Anybody recognize that or familiar with that kind of sleep? If I could just go to sleep for a little while, it would give me a rest from the bitterness in my heart. The trajectory of my life that's going this way and this way. If I could just sleep a little bit, it would give me some rest from that. I want you to notice his life that was spinning out of control to the point that he didn't care what was happening to other people. He didn't care what happened to those people in that great city of Nineveh. He cared about himself. His disobedience and hard heart had put him on a trajectory of of a downward spiral, and it was getting out of control. So there's a note that I want you to make. It's there on your outline. An act of, of disobedience can have a storm attached to it. Our disobedience can have a storm attached to it. And I need to be really careful here. I need to be careful that that we don't walk away thinking every act of disobedience in my life means that I'm going to end up in a storm. No. Scripture doesn't teach that. And I want you to check me on that. You, You go look at God's word. I mean, the book of Job would clearly indicate this man was a righteous man. He was an upright man. And we've heard of the things that Job went through. So for you to hear me say that, that every storm we go through means I'm, I'm in sin, that's not what I'm saying and that's not what te- Scripture teaches. I mean, even Jesus, when he walked up with his disciples to that, to that man and they said, Jesus, whose sin was it that caused this man to be like this? It wasn't somebody's sin. It was so that what? God may be glorified. So don't take away that every storm that you go through in your life is attached to some kind of sin. But you do need to understand, every sin will be judged. There will be punishment for every sin. Scripture clearly teaches that. And for every one of us in this room, that's a problem. Isn't it? That's a problem. If you are like me and you have sinned in your life, let me see your hand. We've all got it. We all have the same problem. It's a sin problem. But here's the good news. God had a solution for our sin problem. And his name is Jesus. Every one of us have sinned. Oh, Oh, you want me to back up my point even more that every sin will be punished. Romans 6.23 says, you can say it with me, the wages, the wages means something you earn. Here's what you earn when you sin. It's death. So every one of us have a problem, but God had a plan and his name is Jesus. God loves every one of us so much that he was willing to send his one and only son to take our punishment. He died so that we might live. I hope you'll grab that today. I hope you'll understand that. I hope you'll take a hold of that. So back to our point. Every Every act of disobedience, not every, but an act of disobedience to God can have a storm attached to it. 
when we go our own way, when we follow our own directions and, and not God's, there are storms or consequences that go along with that. Son, don't touch that hot stove. It'll burn your hand. There's consequences that go along with that. So stop for just a moment. Are there areas in my life that I know that I do it anyway? I know it, God, it doesn't please God, but I, I do it anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I, I know that it doesn't please God. That's not the direction. That's not righteous living that he calls for every one of his followers to, to live. But I do it anyway. I mean, let's do self-evaluation. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves anyway. When we were living in Texas, uh, I owned a boat that my dad and my brother would fish out of. And there's one particular day, my dad and I drove over to Hubbard Creek Lake in Breckenridge, where my brother lives. It's the original Breckenridge, Texas, not, not this Breckenridge. We launched the boat, and we start heading up the river, a river that I had driven up hundreds of times. I knew it like the back of my hand, and so we're cruising probably faster than, not probably, we were traveling faster than I, I should have been driving the boat, and it was getting almost dark, and so my brother was sitting up at the front of the boat with a big old headlight, and he's sitting there, and I think my dad said, Joel, you probably ought to slow down a little bit, man. I said, Dad, I got this. Tim, every once in a while, my brother, would, he would look back at me at the driver's seat like, man, what are you doing? I was ready to get to the fishing hole. I wanted to catch fish. And so all of the sudden, I hit a sandbar that I promise had never been there before. <laughs> to the point that it threw the light out of my brother's hands into the water. Consequences for unwise living. Check this out. This storm that God was using to get Jonah's attention, it impacted other people, didn't it? There's other people in that boat. It wasn't just Jonah by himself. Have you ever considered the fact that you might be sitting in someone else's storm? Have you ever considered the fact that other people might be sitting in your storm? And that my act of disobedience has consequences and it's impacting other people around me. And vice versa. Again, I'm not saying that every storm of life has a sin attached to it. But God hurled a storm at that sea to get Jonah's attention. And there were other people impacted by that storm that was hurled At Jonah. There were consequences that day in the boat, and it could have impacted the health of my brother and my dad, not just me. We see that lesson, we see that idea being played out in the book of Jonah. So let's keep reading. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. These, these people that were far from God, 
Old Testament uses a term like pagans. They, they were people that weren't followers of Yahweh, God. They were more interested in the community, everyone on the boat, than this follower of God, this prophet of God, the one that says he's a follower of God. They were interested in the community by the, while the person of God was sound asleep, thinking only of himself. Hmm. Man, they were the ones praying. They prayed out to their gods. Now Jonah, sound asleep. They were taking action to help, help everyone else that was in the boat. Now Jonah, sound asleep. You know, you look back up there in verse uh, 4 where it says the ship threatened to break up. It's almost as if the rider was giving voice to the ship itself. Guys, I can't take this much longer. We've been through a lot of storms, but not like this. We've got to do something because I'm about to break up. The ship threatened to break up, so what were the sailors doing? They were throwing over their provisions. I don't know if you remember the map, and maybe you can bring the map up. This is not a short trip that they're on their way. And they're throwing food over. They're throwing provisions over the side because they're thinking about everyone else that's in the boat, not Jonah. Oh, this story is so much more than about a guy and a fish. We, we have to stop and we have to reflect how I'm living and how it might impact others around me. Jonah seemed to be completely out of touch with his own doom. But the sailors were very aware of theirs. Jonah was completely caught up in his own issues while the sailors were worried about everyone else's dilemma. Verse 8. Now, verse 7, they cast lots. It's kind of like our today rolling dice to see whose fault this was. We get to verse 8. They said to him, tell us, the, the lots fell on Jonah. They said, they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come. What, what is your occupation and, and where do you go? Where do you come from? What's your, what's your country and who are your people? Who are you? <coughs> Excuse me. And Jonah's response is one that we have to stop and take note of. Look at verse 9. He said, I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of God's own people. That's who I am. He said, he said I fear the Lord. Notice in your Bibles that the, the word Lord is in all caps. You see that? That's our English translation's way of indicating we're talking about Yahweh, God. God Almighty. He said, I am a Hebrew. And I fear Yahweh. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Now I want you to climb into the picture with me for just a second. I want you to look at that captain's face when Jonah says those words. What? Who are you kidding, man? You can't fool me. You told us back on the dock that you were running from the presence of Yahweh. And here you are sound asleep. And you're going to tell me that you fear him? Man, what's coming out of your mouth doesn't match up with who you are displaying with your life. And all of us, at this point, all of us, up until this point, we've been looking down on Jonah, haven't we? That dude's a sorry chump. 
the author, the writer of this beautiful, beautiful story at this point says, time out. Take a look in the mirror. Hey, Joel, take a look in the mirror, man, before you start throwing rocks at Jonah. Because there's times when your mouth doesn't match up with who you are. That's a good spot for every one of us to stop and take a look. Have the words that come out of your mouth ever contradicted how you behave? It just doesn't match. It just doesn't fit. Oh, we got to stop and, and see Jonah's words. And Does Joel ever go, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. And people... Even people that are far from God can look at my life and go, what? Who are you kidding, man? The words that are coming out of your mouth don't match with what I see. It's a good spot for all of us to stop and evaluate. I find it very interesting that it wasn't people in the church that were upset with Jonah. It's people that were far from God. We hear this, we hear it all the time, don't we? Uh, we hear people say things like this. Hey man, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites, professional actors, and they're exactly right, aren't they? Ain't one of us in this room that's perfect, not one of us. But here's the deal. Here's my challenge for us today. My coach challenges me all the time. Here's my challenge. Who I say I am and how I live. Let's close, let's close that gap. I mean, let's, let's get them lined up. No, we're not perfect. We're not ever going to be perfect. But, man, I, I want to match what comes out of my mouth. If I never spoke another word the rest of my life, would people that know me look at me and go, that dude walks with the Lord. That girl walks with God. Oh, man, let's, let's take a look. Let's stop and examine. Verse 9 requires that you and I, just because we say something, doesn't mean that people see that. Let's live a life that matches what comes out of our mouth. Deal? <coughs> Are we Okay. Well, we have to stop and look in the mirror at this point. We keep going in the text. Verse 10, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, man, what is this that you've done? For the men knew that, that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He told them back on the dock. And now you're going to tell me that you fear him? No, you don't. Come on, man. Then they said to him, man, what shall we do with you? That the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And look at what Jonah said in verse 12. He said, pick me up, and there's this word again, and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. I get it now. I see it. I see that 
you are being impacted by how I'm living. Throw me overboard. Now, I've read scholar, different scholars, and was he trying to get further from God or was he trying to, to die? We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. We don't know what his intent was when he says that. But he said, pick me up, throw me overboard, hurl me into the sea. Nevertheless, the men thought, man, we can't do that. That ain't right. So they tried even harder and harder to row back to land, but they couldn't do it because the storm just kept getting stronger and stronger. Therefore, we've got to see this, verse 14. Therefore, they called out to Yahweh. You get it? <laughs> Jonah's actions. Storm. You don't want to go to a great city? All right, you can go into a great storm. And these other men that were far from God, we get down into the story and we see these people that are far from God praying to God. This is the first prayer in this letter. And it's not God's prophet that's doing it. It's people that are far from God. Folks, listen. If you find yourself in a storm... You're a candidate for God to do something great, whether it's your storm or someone else's storm. You're a candidate for God to do something great. And in this story, we see people that are far from God turning to God. God sent that storm to get Jonah's attention, to remind him of his grace for all people. Jonah, even those people in Nineveh that you hate and that are cruel people, I love them. My love goes for them too. And in this storm, he's trying to draw Jonah's attention back to him and remind him of God's grace for all people. And what ends up happening? Those people in the boat with Jonah are drawn to that grace and that mercy of God. Jonah's storm had driven people far from God to call out to God. God used this storm in their life as well. I just wonder today if you'll allow the storms of your life to draw you closer to God. Or do you allow them to draw, drive you further away? To make your heart more bitter or angry or whatever it might be that you're dealing with. Verse 15 and 16. Let's continue in the chapter. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. Let's, let's stop for a second. What, is that, what does that look like? Is Jonah standing up on the edge of the ship? Or was he down in there and, and, and the guys grab a hold of his robe? And, we, and they hurled him. Now, now finish the verse. It says they hurled him in and the seas. Because see, in my mind, I, I had never caught that before. In my mind, when they threw him in, the sea was still just throwing the boat all over the place. And Jonah's was, wind was splashing all over him and the waves were all over him. And I thought, man, they, that, I bet they barely saw him for just a few seconds before he drifted away. But once he was in the water, it says that the sea, whew, and I wonder if Jonah was looking up in the boat at those guys. Can you smell the salt water? Some of you know what salt water smells like. 
It's a sea story. God wants to do something great in the midst of our storms. God loves you so much, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know and experience his grace. If you're in the midst of a storm today, I want to remind you that God wants your attention and that you're a candidate for him to do something great in your life today. So we get to verse 17. Finally, this great fish shows up. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This moment of death for Jonah became his moment of life. And I just hope that we will allow our times in the midst of storms to be moments of life for us, that we turn our attention to God that our words match up with who we are. Not just who we say we are, but who we are. Next week, we get to spend in chapter 2 listening to Jonah's prayer in the belly of the fish. You can't miss this great part that displays the grace of God. If you're here today and you're in a storm, will you stop and turn your attention to God? If you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and your words aren't matching up with who you say you are, maybe it's time to stop and have a talk with God. Maybe God wants to say, hey, man, hey, girl, let's clean that up. Let's close the gap between what you tell people with your mouth. Because if we're going to be honest, you ain't fooling anybody. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. And we lay our lives down. We open our hearts to you and we ask you to take these next few moments of silence and give you the last word. Are there any parts of Jonah that we can relate to? Is there something about my mouth that doesn't line up with who I'm living out to be? God, we give you these next moments of silence just to give you a chance to have the last word. Father, if there are people here today that uh, find themselves in a downward trajectory, their life is just getting more and more numb to the things that are pleasing to you, I pray today, Lord, that you would grab a hold of their heart. Remind them of your great mercy and grace and forgiveness and love. Lord, will you draw them back to you. May today be a day of turning around turning from that that hardness of heart and turning to you and living passionately for you, Lord. We want people to see you when they see us. 
Oh, today is a day of renewal, a, today, a day of, of refreshment. Father, it is my prayer over this church family, over, over those that are listening online. It is my prayer that they would live a life that is pleasing to you, that constantly you would look upon each person and go, nice, well played, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, Lord, that's, uh, that's one of the passions of my heart is to see people winning when it comes to you, that they're, they're living a life that is lived to the fullest. Because that happens when we abide in you, when we walk with you and talk with you. Lord, we live a life on purpose. It's in that place that you smile upon your children and go, nice. Lord, would today be a day of turnaround? We give you this day. We give you this next week. We give you our life. In Jesus' name, amen.